for joining us on this week's episode of Gateway to the Smokies. This podcast is about America's most visited national park, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and the surrounding towns. This area is filled with ancient natural beauty, a deep story history, wonderful adventures, and rich mountain cultures that we explore with weekly episodes. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, a man of the world, but also with deep roots in these mountains. My family has lived in the Great Smokies for over 200 years. My business is in travel, but my heart is in mountain culture. Today's podcast, we're talking about safe wildlife passages in the Smokies. Uh, but first, let's uh, hear from our sponsors, which happens to be me. <laughs> hey, uh, imagine a place evocative of motor courts of the past, yet modern and vibrant with a chic Appalachian feel. It's the amenities of a country inn, a place for adventure and for relaxation. Imagine a place where you can fish in a mountain heritage trout stream, grill the catch on a fire and eat accompanied by fine wine or craft beers. Imagine a place with old time music and world cultural sounds. Imagine a place with mountain heritage food and an underground speakeasy. There is no other place like the Metal Ark Motel in Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Your Smoky Mountain Adventure starts with where you stay. Smokiesadventure.com, that's plural Smokies, singular adventure. Information and listings about the Smokies. It, it, it provides lots of, um, of resources for hiking, uh, trail maps, uh, knowledge about the area, even, even things like wedding venues, outdoor wedding venues. You can get books, you can get uh, um, uh, hiking guides. You can get books about the mountain culture. It's a, it's a really great resource. The emphasis on the Smokies Adventure, as I said, outdoor recreation, outdoor life events like weddings and adventures, along with providing information about lodging and entertainment, uh, events, conventions, honeymoons, uh, tourist uh, opportunities. And it's a great resource uh, for uh, being a, a one of the top information portals on the Smoky Mountains. Upcoming. So somewhere between caricature and character, there exists an authentic, a truly unique culture of the Smoky Mountains. Understanding that culture blends the global and the local, the old and the new, and gains relevance in understanding the elements of culture that brought us to where we are now and where we can go in the future. The Meadowlark Smoky Mountain Heritage Center located at the beautiful Metal Ark Motel, is proud to announce a series of 20 heritage-themed events scheduled for 2022. Each of these events is designed to understand a different element of Smoky Mountain culture and lead members and guests on a journey of understanding for the past and the future. The first event is Saturday, February 26th, 2022, at 4 p.m. at the Metal Ark Motel in Maggie Valley. It'll be led by uh, the Metal Arc Smoky Mountain Heritage Center general manager and award-winning author Bob Plott as he launches the first of six heritage book programs and a book signing of his books. Bob's first program focuses on the history of the Plot Hound, the official state dog of North Carolina, a legendary breed with a rich and storied history in Hayward County. Featured will be Bob's first book, 
Strike and Stay, the story of the plot hound, which is recognized as one of the premier hunting dogs in America. The plot hound is unique among hunting dog breeds because it descends from Germanic stock rather than traditional English foxhound. The breed's story began when its original breeder, Johannes Plot, and his brother Enoch left Germany in 1750 with their prized hunting dogs. This, this trip across the Atlantic began the 200-year journey that would culminate in the North Carolina mountains with the development of what is now arguably the world's finest breed of hunting dog. This fascinating story of the plot family and the plot hound is a classic American tale of adventurers and underdogs, a story that Bob Plot, the great, great, great grandson of Johannes Plot, is uniquely qualified to tell. This fun and informative program will be followed by a delicious barbecue dinner and acoustic music with Mike Ogletree, the former drummer for Simple Minds, and some other friends making for an entertaining afternoon and evening. The event is free to motel guests and Heritage Club members. And non-members and local residents are welcome to attend the program and enjoy dinner and music for only $10 per person. Call 828-926-1717 to book your room and or your reservation. More upcoming. What's better for the soul than throwing a line upstream, watching it pass, doing it again and again, and perhaps getting a bite? All anglers know that fly fishing isn't the only isn't only about reeling in the big one. All that's although that's the one that always gets our hearts jumping. Fly fishing is about being one with the river and its magnificent presence while witnessing a valuable ecosystem. The Meadowlark Motel is offering uh, fly fishing trout camp weekends in the Smoky Mountains. What began as a way to get a group of friends together on the river has grown into a way of bringing like-minded people together through fly fishing, food, drinking, and campfire in in our recreation area. Camp weekends are perfect for those new to fly fishing and those looking for some extra instruction or anyone with experience who enjoys fishing in a small group and making new friends. Each trip is built around those attending and we all share in those experiences. You can expect quality time in the river and nights around the campfire or in the speakeasy if it's not so nice with a drink in hand. Truths and tall tales are always at the camp and the camps are limited to 20 anglers and there's going to be two, one instructor to every two campers. So the first one is April 15th through 16th, 2022, located at the Metal Arc Motel. Um, it's $875 per person. And the guide service is High Trout Guides Unlimited, owned and operated by world-class fishing uh, fisherman Dan Sasser and a staff that includes Charles Humphrey III, a really uh, interesting guy. He's a master fisherman, but he's also been on this podcast talking about um, music, uh, amongst other things. He's an award-winning uh, songwriter. And in fact, we're talking about doing a songwriting camp with him later in the year. Um, it includes a couple nights for, uh, lodging, free breakfast, and on Saturday and Sunday, free barbecue dinners, uh, two free beverages and speakeasy, a half a day of, on, of hands-on instruction in the morning, and then four hours of intense fishing on, the, on an elite stream Saturday afternoon and entertainment at the motel Saturday evening, and then a little checkout on Sunday morning with a nice breakfast, uh, probably with some trout. Um, Call 828-926-1717 to make reservations. I think there will also be some programs on the history of fly fishing um, and and also what's happening in the mountains about uh, fishing. But now, 
We're here to talk about wildlife uh, passages and preserving the Smokies. And our guest today is Jeff Hunter. He's a senior program manager with the National Parks Conservation Association, the NPACA in Asheville, where he works on a variety of issues pertaining to protecting and improving the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, the Blue Ridge Parkway, and the Appalachian National Scenic Trail. Presently, he's focused heavily on a collaborative project designing and building a wildlife crossing on I-40 in the Pigeon Gorge in Haywood County near the Tennessee state line. Hello, Jeff. Hey, Joseph. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. Good to see you. So I I understand you're originally from New York State, uh, Rockland County, I think? I am. Yeah. Uh, CHSN, Clarkstown High School North, class of 1979. Cool. Uh, Well, back then, Rockland was... um, I was pretty full of wildlife. I read that you called your childhood feral. What did you mean? <laughs> I was in the woods every chance I could get fishing and looking for frogs and toads and turtles and snakes, anything I could find that was wild. Um, and that slow, I saw that slowly disappear over years, you know, really? and that was an inspiration to do what I do today. Wow. Yeah, I, uh, I grew up in Haywood County, and uh, I, I guess I would describe mine as a little bit feral like that, too. <laughs> My thing was to go down to the, you know, the pond or the creek and fish for hours. So uh, so, um, so pretty early on, you got involved in environmental issues. Uh, you were part, I read that you were part of a, an effort in the 90s to save Sterling Forest. What inspired you, and how did you get involved in that? Well, that was my home. Sterling yeah. Forest was, you know, my backyard where I hiked, where I fished. And there was a, this is 18,000 acres of privately owned lands. And the owners of those lands had plans for 14,000 housing units and 8 million square feet of commercial office space in the headwaters of uh, North New Jersey's drinking water supply. And so myself and others who loved that place got together. And, um, you know, eventually the, the owner of that land became a willing seller and uh, turn that over. And now we have Sterling Forest State Park in New York. So wow, it's about protecting was, what you love. What was the, uh, what, what would you think that was the tipping point to make that happen? I think public sentiment and uh-huh. uh, persuading the local congressman that it was in the best interests of his constituents to, to protect, protect this place. So. And how, how big a crew did you guys have that were doing this? Oh, there were hundreds of folks. I, oh, really? I played a, I played a bit part. Let's be honest. I mean, you were you pretty know. young. Yeah. You were, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was in my 30s at the time and I was uh, raising a family, but I stood up at public meetings and um, let my voice be heard and, and volunteered and got involved at, at the volunteer level. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that set the stage for, you know, changing careers and and, yeah. and moving on to what I do today. Well, well prior to coming down south, you had a 20 year degree uh, career, 20 year career in New York. Most of that was as a Verizon, as an engineer, but your college degree was in environmental studies. How did you end up there? <laughs> Good question. So I ended up at, in Verizon because I didn't uh, apply myself in college, shall we say. So well, one takes what they get. But, you know, I worked hard and I, uh, I started in a union position and was promoted to management and, um, you know, raised some kids and bought a home in Orange County, New York, but eventually you know, that wasn't enough. So I wanted, I wanted a little bit more out of life and um, started to look around for volunteer opportunities and getting involved in the community. And, and one thing leads to another and here we are. Yeah. 
Well, I, I remember you were telling me one story about something happening in New York City. You were involved with security or something like that. Yeah, I handled uh, New York State's metadata for Verizon uh, uh-huh. in the 90s. And that's every single call, the data. So um, I worked with, you know, those were national security issues. And uh, it was an interesting time. It was usually pretty boring, but every once in a while it got hot when there was a terrorist incident, for, for instance. Um, so. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Big difference. Well, um, we're going to take a break right now and then we'll come back and we're going to talk about how you made that change. What, what led up to that change in your life? Great. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Jeff Hunter. So, Jeff, okay, I have, a, I have, I have two different to- stories here. I read on your website that uh, the Appalachian Channel through hike changed your life, and that's why you made your career change. But you just you, you texted me about music, and you said the Grateful Dead are largely responsible for my career change. So I got two stories I got to hear here. Sure, sure. <laughs> okay. So uh, back in the 90s, um, you know, I was a fan of live music and uh, the dead were one of my favorite bands. And uh, I got some tickets to go see a benefit concert at, um, at the garden in New York. Mm-hmm. And oh. so I, I attended and it was the dead and a bunch of other folks, Baba Tunde Olatunji, the great Nigerian drummer and um, lots of other folks. And they were talking in between uh, artists about the issue of tropical rainforest ecosystems and it really 
you know, I'd never heard anything about it. And so I started a group in my community and started reaching out to uh, public schools and, and, and engaging community members. And, you know, I was, that lit my fire more than um, Verizon did, shall we say. <laughs> and so, you know, if you can find a way to get paid for what your passion is, you know, that, that's the path that I chose to follow. And, uh, you know, along the way, speaking of paths, you know, then the Appalachian Trail came along and in 2000, and I took a leave of absence and, and uh, walked from Georgia to Maine. And that was the coup de grace right there to the corporate experience. You know, I did not want to go back to white noise and 68 degrees and the hum of mainframe computers. Um, the, the call, the call of the wild, shall we say, apologies to Jack London, yeah. uh, was, was begging to me. You know, that's, it's funny, but you know, um, uh, the Grateful Dead a concert was also instrumental in me making a major career change in my existence. I was working at IBM at Research Trial and Park out of college for eight years. And, uh, and you know, I sort of got burned out of it. I, you know, I wasn't, I did really well, but I wasn't, I didn't like big corporate existence. And I, I, I went to, I had, I had been working on losing some weight and lost a lot of weight. And then I went to a Grateful Dead concert and, um, in 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 uh, Raleigh, right? And I went dressed in a coat and tie, suit and tie, right from work. And when I left, I no longer had the coat and tie. I had bought uh, all sorts of uh, tie-dyed stuff and was wearing that. Uh, and really, after that, never looked, never even uh, considered cor- corporate existence anymore. I, within a few months, I had left uh, and was you know, traveling and, and doing my uh, artistic entrepreneur existence. It was like, you know, it was like the catalyst. So, you know, and I know that there's nothing like a Grateful Dead concert. And, you know, those are days gone by. Oh. It, it was such a profound experience, you know, and when issues of the day were brought in to that wonderful music, it, it was it was moving and inspiring. Yeah. So, um so the so you know this yeah so two thousand you how long did you how long did it take you to do that through through hike I mean it's interesting to me you know people five do and that. a half months so yeah. uh, I started March seventh down in Georgia you know winter conditions in the mountains for sure mm-hmm. um, and got to uh, Maine on August twenty first so um, wow. uh, five and a half months with twenty six or twenty eight days where I didn't walk a mile what we would call a a zero day where you take a day off. So we hear a lot about a lot about people take you know, working through walking it, but how many people actually do the through through hike the whole thing? You know, since since I did it 22 years ago, the numbers have almost doubled. Really, uh, which is a concern because you know, listen, um, there are finite resources in the mountains, and um, but it's the most beloved trail in the world. And uh, I think at the time that I did it, there were maybe somewhere around 400 or 500 people who completed it that year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the current numbers are, but volume of traffic on the, on the trail has increased significantly. That's interesting. Do you, you know, do you think they'll have to do some sort of uh, uh, eventually have to do something to slow that down or segment it out or, you know, give, maybe let people do segments or what, what, what would they do? You know, that's a question for brighter minds than mine, but yeah. But clearly, we want to have a sustainable trail, right? We want to have an experience that um, our our children can have, our grandchildren can have, and make sure that that remains, you know, um, an amazing place um, to inspire and uh, 
make people curious about the natural world. Um, yeah. So thankfully, it's, it's the largest volunteer effort, I think, in the States. It's the trail is maintained by volunteers. Um, the Appalachian Trail Conservancy is amazing about, uh, in their stewardship of this trail. It's also a unit of the National Park Service. So mm-hmm. um, it's got some oomph behind it, shall we say. Well, it could, but, uh, you know, there's a nice little segment of it goes through the, the Smoky Mountain Park, right? Yeah, the Smokies. I did the Smokies in six days. Um, it was cold. It was wet. Um, and I was glad to come out of the mountains, but the beauty was not lost on me, right? right. Um, you know, whether it was climbing the ridge, Molly's Ridge Dam by Fontana Dam, or, you know, um, up at Newfound Gap, trying to hitchhike a ride down into Gatlinburg to Noah Vale, and then continuing in the snow on to um, the north end of the park. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I probably complained a little bit back then, but here I am in the warmth of a home. Uh, and I can look back and say, was, you know, forget <laughs> about the aches and pains. Um, well, you know, we have a lot of uh, hikers that come and stay at the hotels, you know, when they come out of the mountain and they all talk about the beauty of it. You know, it's like a, you know, it, it's really a trans- transcendent for some of them. Uh, so when you did this hike, was that your first time in the Smoky Mountains? It was actually, yeah. you know, it, funny today, um, my daughter, Martha, sent me a photograph of something I mailed to her from the trail. Um, I was at a hostel in um, a place that no longer exists called Mountain Mama's Country Store. Uh, It was near Big Creek uh, at the Waterville exit off I-40. And I found a piece of sycamore bark. And I wrote my daughter a note on this this piece of bark. And I mailed it to her when she was 10 years old. Uh, And so 22 years (laughs) later today, and it said something to the effect of, you know, this is a beautiful place and I want to, I want to bring you here someday. And, um, she lives in Tennessee now and I live in North Carolina. Wow. Did you, uh, did you ever think when you were doing that hike, you would end up living in that, in this area? Not in my wildest dreams, to be honest with you. You know, (laughs) it's, you know, I'm, I'm a lucky man. Um, you know, my, I followed my passion and, um, my, my dad used to always say, work hard, son, work hard. And, um, it's not my favorite thing to do, but uh, <laughs> I, I tried to follow his advice and it's led, it's led to some good outcomes. I'm grateful cool. for that. Well, how did you end up in the Smokies? Um, you mean on the trail or? No, or, no. Cut, moving down here. How did you end up here? Oh, gosh. Um, so it's a real circuitous journey. I guess in 2003, I moved from the lower Hudson Valley. I was living in Warwick, New York, Orange mm-hmm. County, Apple Country, to Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I worked for... I guess five years for American Hiking Society, working on recreation issues involving trails in a nine-state region. Uh, and from there, uh, I was recruited to go and lead a wilderness campaign focused on the Cherokee National Forest, which um, eventually protected permanently uh, four and a half miles of the Appalachian Trail in a new wilderness area. Um, from there, I was recruited to go out to California, to the Eastern Sierra, a high desert landscape, um, to work on that in that place. And uh, and then I was lucky enough to be able to come back here to the east and and work for National Parks Conservation Association uh, in the Asheville area. Oh, cool. Well, what was, uh, well, when we first came here, American Hiking Society, what was the project that attracted you? It was called the Southern Appalachian Initiative, and it was uh, an effort to build a 5,000-mile interconnected network of hiking trails in a nine-state region. Um and included something at the time that was called the Western Appalachian Alternative, which was this view of a long distance south to north hiking trail 
west of the Appalachian Trail, which today exists. It's called the Great Eastern Trail. Um, so that vision of a new system of protected lands um, that would offer experiences to folks really called to me. Um, and it's funny, a friend of mine sent me that, that job posting, someone who I met in Manhattan, um, who's, who's now, he's, he's gone now, he's passed. But I would not have known about that job unless he'd mailed me that that announcement, you know. So sometimes it's about being in the right place, the right time, and, oh, and being connected to the right people. And did you have anything to do with it? Was it Mountain to the Sea Trail part of that, or is that that was something different? Oh yeah, the Mountain to Sea Trail was definitely involved. Um, so in 2007, I um, I'm a facilitator. It's one of the things I do. I facilitated their first ever um, strategic plan. Um, I also worked with the Carolina Mountain Club in Asheville that same year and, and help them with a strategic plan their first. Um, so yeah, it's, a, I love the MST. I've walked parts of it in the Smokies and parts of it along the Blue Ridge Parkway. It's a great system. So you, uh, you, you went hippie for a little while and went out to California and then you came back. <laughs> uh, what, and you, you, what was the project that brought you back to the National Parks Conservatory, Conservation Association? Well, it's interesting. You know, when I interviewed for the job, um, uh, the gentleman interviewing me um, tossed a, a book on the table in front of me and said, there's your work plan. And it was a, it was a document that was drafted by a friend and colleague of mine, uh, Hugh Irwin. Um, he now works for the Wilderness Society. It was called Re Return the Great Forest. Uh, and in that document, it talked about the issue with Interstate 40 being an obstacle to wildlife moving from the south to north. And that, when I heard about that, I thought, wow, that's a, that's a topic I think I could sink my teeth into because who likes to see an animal get hit on the road, right? Nobody. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the older I get, the more it, it pisses me off, frankly. And so it, it provided an opportunity to put some energy into that that effort wow so what is the what is the type of work that you what is, what is it you actually do in your job sure um i like to think i bring people together to have um uh, successful meetings with good outcomes that benefit the natural world um and the communities that surround them so whether it's protecting clean water or clean air or teaching the next generation about um civics how to get involved in in the system how our parks are owned by all of us. Um, people, that's lost on people. They don't realize the Smokies belongs to every single American. It's our heritage. Um, and it's uh, entrusted to the National Park Service. They manage those lands for us. But Congress ultimately appropriates the funds that, that make that system run. Mm -hmm. and, and the American voice is important. So we lift up voices and um, protect place and, and wildlife. And it's... Um, It's a, it, it's a large responsibility, but uh, one <laughs> yeah. I'm grateful to have. So uh, a little bit of or community organizing, a little bit of PR, and a little bit of hard work, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I learned how to be an organizer when I led the Tennessee Wild Wilderness Campaign. Uh, if you're going to pass legislation in Congress, you need to bring people together. And so it's about um, bringing diverse voices, you know, all across the political spectrum together in common cause. And that's that's what I do. All right. Well, we got to take another break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the, more about this uh, passion for the wildlife and the safe passage. 
Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Jeff Hunter. So, Jeff, one of our earliest guests on the show was a colleague of yours, Frances Figart. And we're carrying her, um, you know, her book, the Safe Passages book at the, the, the Heritage Center bookstore. And, you know, it's a it's a wonderful little story for finding out about, especially for teens, I think, to learn about wildlife crossings and why they're good. Um, can you um, can you t- tell us you're working on a project now to create a wildlife crossing? You mentioned where is that? Sure. So um, I facilitate a collaborative effort. It's it's you know, we have federal, state, tribal and non-governmental organizations coming together around the table. Uh, working to improve wildlife's ability to cross Interstate 40 in a 28-mile stretch just outside the Smokies. That's eight miles in Tennessee and 20 miles in North Carolina from the Maggie Valley exit to the state line and from the state line to the Foothills Parkway in Tennessee. Um, we're looking really closely and seeing how can we, um, how can we fix this situation. Um, for instance, we had 101 dead bears found along the side of the road uh, in the last three years, mm-hmm. um, 2019, 2020, 2021, three years. Uh, and that's probably two and a half times low, that number. And that's, um, some people would say that's the cost of doing business. And I disagree. And so we're, we're coming together, working on that. How do you, how do you get, how do you get those mortality records? Uh, well, historically they exist across various agencies, but you know, for the real-time stuff, the last three years is driving surveys. It's mm-hmm. every week going out and driving 
the corridor and looking, you know, on the road to see um, what's been hit. Our focal species have been black bear, white-tailed deer, and elk. The big stuff, you know, because if you hit that with your car, it could cause serious property damage, maybe personal injury, and you can actually quantify the impact of, of that damage. Uh, and of course, if you can make it better for those big things to cross the road, perhaps you, you can improve it for the, the little stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And, the, and the Smokies is filled with little stuff, whether it's salamanders or snakes or, or you name it, you know, raccoons, small mammals. Oh, yeah. I mean, for all those big ones that die, there's probably 10 times that of the small animals that die, right? I the mean, small the, stuff has no shot in this corridor, yeah, right? Yeah. There's, it's, it's, it's two lanes each direction. There's a concrete barrier in the middle. Um, you know, it's, it's a death trap. But some of the big stuff can get through. But with 26,000 vehicles a day, you know, a lot of stuff get, gets killed. We're looking forward to the day when there's 35,000 vehicles a day or 45,000 vehicles a day and nothing has a shot. That's, that's the situation we're trying to avoid. Well, in a lot of cases, uh, humans get hurt too, but pretty badly. And there's a lot of costs associated with that, right? Well, um, on average, over 200 Americans every year are killed in wildlife vehicle collisions. Uh-huh. So it's a real situation. Um, you know, in Maggie Valley, right, there are thousand pound bull elk. You do not want to hit a bull elk with your car. No, no, um, don't totally your car. <laughs> you know, so, you know, the uh, US 19 through Maggie Valley right there, that's a, a slower road than, than I 40. And so you're going I, uh, 60 miles an hour on I 40 and an elk appears in the middle of the road. That's, that's a problem. That's a big problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you, I, I went to that presentation you did in Maggie Valley Chamber of Commerce and you were talking about that I thought was an interesting project you guys do use you put up live cameras right to keep track of where they're crossing yeah we had about 120 cameras spread out in the gorge over two years um you know in the right of way uh seeing what's encroaching on the roadway also um checking structures like you know exits are there animals going underneath the bridge are they crossing under the highway there and so we we've got a tremendous amount of information um next month we'll be reconvening the stakeholders and making some 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 key decisions about our research findings you know um where can we agree on priority areas in the gorge you can't fix everything right you can't can't literally fix everything on every road Uh, we can establish priorities and 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 get together and uh, make a concerted effort to uh, make the world the place we all want to see that's that's uh that's cool you know one of the one of the wonderful and really sort of uniquely memorable experiences in our regions is not only the great geographical beauty, but the, uh, the easy access and exposure to unusual, unusual wildlife, the big ones like the elk and deer, turkey and black bears. Uh, and I know that during my lifetime, uh, when there was time, those animals were almost extinct. And, and, you know, and in our case, the elk was extinct and it's got reintroduced. So it's really great to see all these um, these species have rebounded and are increasing, um, but it took decades to do that. And the last thing we want is uh, to see these animals would be decimated again. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy you're doing. So what is the current status of the project? So um, we conducted this two-year research, as I mentioned, and uh, we're in the final stages of analysis. Um, and uh, in, late, in late March, March 29th, actually, we'll be convening the stakeholders at Haywood Community College. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Shannon Rabby there, who runs the wildlife program, is uh, opening up that um, that university, that college for us, that community college, and will be his students will actually be volunteering and observing alongside folks from the National Park Service, the Forest Service, the North Carolina Department of Transportation, uh, the Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency, and lots of other groups looking at maps, looking at the hotspots, where is stuff getting killed, and what might we do together to fix that? And I, and I certainly don't have all the answers right here, right now. Uh, those answers will need to, to come together um, through collaboration. Mm-hmm. What, um, what, is, what, uh, what, is it all government funded or are you also private money or donations? How is it getting funded? So, so for my work, um, we don't receive government funding. My, uh, National Parks Conservation Association is funding, funded by our uh, members and supporters. And if folks want to learn more, they can check us out at mpca.org. But in terms of safe passage, uh, our research partners, Wildlands Network, and uh, my organization um, are funding the research, have funded the research, uh, and we're coming together. When we first started talking about this issue, there were no dollars at the state or federal level to do anything about reducing wildlife vehicle collisions. Mm-hmm. But here's the, here's the, the good story. Here's, the, here's the, the exciting stuff. You know, just in the last six months, Congress has passed an infrastructure bill that, appropriate, that, that provides $350 million over five years for pilot projects to reduce wildlife vehicle collisions. So there are issues all over the country. But when you have all the stakeholders together in one room, already talking about the issues, following science, taking a science-based approach, we've got a real shot at those competitive dollars. So um, there's good stuff on the horizon, we're hoping. That sounds, well, you know, how long does it take to, do you think it'll take to complete this one? You know, it's, it's, it's hard to say. Um, this is, nothing happens quickly in the transportation world, right? Yeah, well. <laughs> These agencies plan out 20, 25 years are looking at growth. They're anticipating where they'll, where they'll need to widen roads. So um, hopefully there'll be some short-term uh, benefits for wildlife. You know, if we can uh, figure out areas where fencing can funnel wildlife through to existing structures uh, and get them safely under the road to protect motorists and, and the wildlife themselves. Um, we'll, we'll look for those, I'm sure. Um, bigger stuff, if there's new infrastructure needed, you know, whether that's wildlife overpasses or underpasses, um, that will take a little longer, right? Because you have feasibility. Um, I'm an organizer. Our research tells us where the problems are, right? But you need yeah. an engineer to say, okay, the geology here is stable enough to, to, to do something, whether it's a wildlife overpass or an underpass. Um, so those folks, you know. So you're going to build a mix of things like uh, going through culverts and, and do stuff that overpasses and that only animals use and that sort of thing. Or will be people be able to use those overpasses? So best practice is wildlife only for overpasses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would be certainly my desire i will say this that not far from maggie valley it's probably about a 90 minute drive if someone was drive 19 down to uh near fontana dam on north carolina 143 uh the dot has announced they're going to build um a bridge for wildlife and appalachian trail hikers at a place called stacoa gap this is between chioa bald and Fontana Dam on the trail. That's a, a rugged area. It's also the first place I did a 20-mile day 
to get to a payphone to call my 10 year old daughter on her birthday. <laughs> well, that's fabulous. I mean, is um, I so it's, it's nice to see that there's others or there are others are happening. Do you, are you are you do you know of any other projects you might be working on that are? Um, uh, you know, every interstate highway that's east west um, where it passes through public lands becomes a problem for wildlife if you don't mm -hmm. have wildlife um, factored into the design of the roadway. So, so we're looking, you know, we're, we're looking at I-40, we're looking a little north, a little south. Um, the key is that we're working with the agencies. We're building a community of practice, right? Mm -hmm. Here in the east, you don't have as many wildlife um, overpass or underpass structures as you do out west, you know, because the, the majority of public lands in this country, let's face it, are out west. Mm -hmm. But here in North Carolina and Tennessee, we've got the Smokies as what, 523,000 acres, you know, surrounded by the Nantahala, the Pisgah, the Cherokee National Forest, the Blue Ridge Parkway. There's an abundance of public lands. And so it's in the public's interest, right? 14.1 um, million visitors to the Smokies. Yeah. Who wants to hit uh, a bear on your yeah. way to vacation? What a way to ruin a vacation, right? Real Get quick, a real quick in a hurry, yeah. <laughs> right, so, um, you know, it's a big, it's a big picture approach we're taking. Well, besides, you know, obvious government, uh, you know, regulations and bureaucracy and things like that, where are you getting, are you getting pushback from anything for, for not doing this sort of thing? You know, it's funny. It's nice to have an issue like this, right? I mentioned earlier, I ran a wilderness campaign. Wilderness can be pretty contentious, you know, mm -hmm. because it, you can't take a mountain bike. You can't take anything motorized in wilderness. You can't even take a chainsaw in wilderness, right? You have to you clear the trails with crosscut saws, the old timey way. The issue I'm working on with safe passage is, is the public is just responding in great ways. Um, they, they understand the issue. Clearly, I mean, every if you drive the interstate, you're going to see dead bears, dead deer, dead raccoons, dead foxes, dead coyotes. That gets old, right? It's like, can't, can't we fix that? And, um, and so people get excited about the idea of actually having their tax dollars spent on something that not only benefits them, but benefits wildlife. Cool. Well, we got to take another break here. Uh, then we come back, we'll... Um... We'll talk a little bit about uh, you know, your knowledge of the area and what visitors might want to come and do. Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m. every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! 
On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Hey, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Jeff Hunter. So, Jeff, you uh, you know the Appalachian Trail. You've gone the whole distance and you, you know, you know the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and the Blue Ridge Parkway. So I doubt there's many folks that know all these better, uh, all these three areas better than you. So uh, where, what, what, what would you tell a visitor to this area that are really nice places to visit? What's your favorite places? Oh, gosh, there's so many. Um, you know, I've got a map of the Smokies here, uh, opened up on my desk while I'm talking to you. And, you know, one of my favorite places off the Blue Ridge Parkway, uh, to hike in the Smokies is the Flat Creek Trail. And that's just uh, a short distance from Maggie Valley. It's, it's a, it's a relatively easy trail to walk with big rewards, particularly in spring with songbirds and, and flowers. That's a favorite place where you can drive up to the parkway. And, and go north to Water Rock Knob, uh, which is over 6,000 feet, beautiful views, cool weather. Um, you know, that's closed right now because of the season, but those are a couple of favorite places. Um, the Cataloochee Valley, mm-hmm. which is, you know. That's spectacular, yeah. Maggie Valley's the gateway there. Um, that's where elk were reintroduced um, just over 20 years ago. And there's uh, historic structures there, a lot of history some interpretation about uh, the folks who lived there back in the day. And um, the last time I was there, I saw a couple of bears eating apples and, and some apple trees that, and those trees are, um, they're there because there were settlers there uh, yeah. before the park was created. Now I took my three-year-old uh, up there when I was last time out down there and they just sort of, and they got to see elk for the first time, their first big animal of any sort. And they were just dumbfounded. <laughs> old enough to know that it was something you know what i mean it was like uh yeah getting their experience the wildlife early is great um do you have any uh do you have any uh places where a real experienced hiker needs to get would have to go to anything like that oh yeah i i totally do i'm I'm flipping the map over here um i'll tell you i'll tell you a little story if i may sure um my wife and i uh cara uh, we, we went to the park in late December with a goal of hiking the Booger, Boogerman Trail, the Boogerman Trail. Right. The Boogerman Trail, it goes through old growth forest. There's huge, giant oak trees and poplar trees and all the hemlocks are dead, sadly, but lots of big trees remain. And uh, we were going to make a loop with the uh, Caldwell Fork Trail. And unfortunately, there were a series of bridges out on the Caldwell Fork Trail. Um, that's a result of the, the maintenance backlog with the Park Service. Um, and that's an issue we work on to ensure park funding so that 
park infrastructure allows for safe experiences for, for visitors. Now, we're, I guess we're not your typical visitors. We like that, you know, out on the hairy edge sometimes. So we ended up doing all those stream crossings, uh, wading across them in the winter. Oh, wow. Uh, the water was way steep in some places. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, it was it was exhilarating. Um, it was unnerving, but in the end, it's an experience we'll never forget. So that the experience, people don't take your kids there. <laughs> but that's cool. Well, you're also uh, you told me a music aficionado, and you live in the Asheville area. Whatever, what are your, some of your favorite vent, uh, music places in, in the, that area? Well, uh, so there's a new place called Rabbit Rabbit downtown that has a lot of outdoor shows um, in Asheville. Um, and we have tickets to go see Bon Iver there this June and Bonnie Light Horseman. That should be fun. Of course, you had the Orange Peel and places like the Gray Eagle, great venues. Um, you know, it's really a shame what, what the, the pandemic has done to these live music venues. They're struggling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're really, they're, they're, they're trying to keep above water. So, you know, as, as we emerge from this crisis, you know, I would encourage people to support the local establishments, local music scene, you know. Here in Burnsville, where I live, in Yancey County, which is about 40 minutes from Asheville, uh, we have a place called the Home Place Brewery. You'll get a kick out of this. Um, this spring marks the 50th anniversary of the Grateful Dead's Europe 72 tour. Oh, wow. So on May 25th of 2022, <laughs> on the, M- the MC and a host for an event at the Home Place Brewery in Burnsville, where we will stream the show from... Uh, May 26th, 1972, the Lyceum in London, England. And we'll stream that in its entirety. We'll, hopefully we'll, you know, we'll get to dance a little bit and, and enjoy the, the days leading up to Memorial Day weekend. So, Wow. You get, will you be able to give some commentary about what you remember? <laughs> well, you know, at the time I was 11, right? My first oh, wow. show yeah. was, was 78. So, but um, that's my favorite period of music. The, the beauty is that folks back in the day recorded these shows so these recordings remain as artifacts right Mm -hmm. um and they're out in the public domain uh it's it's you know it's a gift that keeps on giving did you see that documentary of the beatles the last uh concert that just recently came out I haven't, you know, and you mentioned Francis, who you had on your podcast recently. She and I were corresponding over the weekend, and she asked if if Cara and I had seen that yet. Uh, she mm-hmm. and her husband had just seen it, so it's it's on the yet pile, but we will get there. Yeah, I've got so many on my uh, got a C pile. It's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> there's there's too much content these days, and I'm a content producer, uh, so it's uh, it's always an adventure. So, um, what's the website people can go to to find out more information about wildlife pass uh, the wildlife passages? Sure, um, the the address is Smokies Safe Passage. That's S M O K I E S Safe Passage dot O R G. Um, and you know, there are six nonprofit organizations that have come together uh, specifically to create that website to push information out to the public. Cool. And um, if they want to follow you, is it, do you have any places for them to come uh, follow you? Uh, the only place I'm at, other than here uh, and Burnsville, is LinkedIn, believe it or not. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I was an early adopter to that uh, networking platform, and it's really, it's, it's actually helped in my work and um, building the, the effort to, 
to protect places like the Smokies. So yeah, I, I noticed that uh, to find you though, it's Jeffrey H. You don't have your last name up there. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a privacy setting. You just have to. Um, oh really? Unless oh. you're connected to me, you can't see the last name. Well, to try and find to, 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 if somebody's trying to search for you. Right. You try to search for Jeffrey Hunter and he won't find you. <laughs> I, think, I think they'll find. I think they'll really. Find okay. yeah. I was just trying to do that earlier and I couldn't. I had to do I had to actually go Jeffrey and then your your position and your uh, and, and organization. That's how I found you. Yeah. Hey, listen, if people want to reach out, uh, here's my email. It's jhunter at npca dot org. And cool. I, I love a conversation over coffee, virtual or otherwise. Well, cool. I appreciate. It. When I come down there, you should come down at the Metal Arc and see what we're doing there, and hang out and have a call. have a uh, have something. Uh, the Speakeasy. We're doing some music now too. So yeah. I will do that. You, yeah. you can you can rest assured. All right, that'd be cool. I'd like to hang out. Well, I appreciate you being on this podcast. It's been uh, enlightening, and I think what you're doing is a fantastic thing. And uh, and I love that we have this Grateful Dead connection. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, the small a, world, isn't it? Love to do a deadhead. You ever been to Burning Man? <laughs> I, you know, it, I'll just throw this in. I actually teach classes on the Grateful Dead at UNC Asheville. It's a volunteer effort. I just through the pandemic, I've been doing it virtually to bring people together and build community. And that's what I do is, is build community. I try yeah. anyway. So cool. All right. So thank you again. Thank you very much. So uh, this podcast is on the Talk uh, Radio NYC network which is a network of live uh, podcasts uh, ranging from small business help to self-help to travel shows to, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, uh, health shows and alternative wellness. And I think it's a very interesting network. You should go to talkradio.nyc and look at all the shows and follow some and come listen to them live. I also have another podcast on, on Fridays at uh, noon. It's called Wise Content Creates Wealth, which focuses in on using content to build your opportunities, whether it's you're looking for profit in a monetary sense or building a community or getting followers or just getting a cause known. Um, you know, uh, you can uh, find out more about that uh, on my podcast. Um, this podcast is Gateway to the Smokies. And you can find out more about it at smokiesadventure.com. There is a link at the top for the Gateway to the Smokies podcast. You can see all the uh, all the uh, previous podcasts um, and, uh, and a newsletter that you can sign up to. You can also go to talkradio.nyc to their shows section and click in there and find out more about these shows. Uh, we also have a Facebook page where it's streamed live. It's uh, facebook.com slash gateway to the Smokies podcast, um, where you will definitely um see um more more about us um it's been a real great pleasure to have you again and i want yeah, everybody go to that safe uh passages website that he mentioned and, and donate i noticed there's a donate button there and so we should all donate a little because what the, what is happening is very important and i think that uh we can we could uh should uh, uh be part of it it looks like you've got a great section on getting involved too we, like we sign do. up for a newsletter, take a pledge, education, and even know about what upcoming events. You're going to have that Grateful Dead there one, I hope. So uh, <laughs> anyway, see you guys next week. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Bye.
Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc.